0: Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. All right, let's open up our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to look at some things we've been looking at And we're going to get down to the nitty-gritty today Exactly how to get out of adversity when it comes We know there's a way out, we've been studying that And we're going to talk today specifically How to get out of any problem that comes your way Um, If you haven't heard what we've been teaching up till now, they are on the archive on the internet. You can watch these. This is like our fourth message in this series, There Is A Way Out. And sometimes you need to hear some of the previous things to get the full impact. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, what we're going to do today is we're going to start in verse one. All right. We're going to come up to verse 13, but we're talking about there is a way out. God said there's a way out of every adversity that ever comes your way. There's a way out. I said, there's a way out. God would not have allowed certain things to happen if he didn't first know you could get out of it and endure it and overcome it. He would not. He's a great father. And he would not do that. So let's read. We're going to start in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 10:1. Now this is Paul's letter to the church, and we're a part of the church, so this is his letter to us. And really, it's not just Paul. This is the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to write these things, to speak these things, and others would help write him down. So let's start in 1 Corinthians 10:1. This is a word to us, believers. This is not a word to Jews. This is a word to the church. This is not a word to the Gentiles. This is a word to the church. Now, it could apply to them if they'll come into the family, but this is to us. Paul said, moreover, brethren, and that includes cistern. (laughs) All right. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. So what he's about to talk about here, he wants us knowledgeable of. I don't want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the Red Sea. And they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And they all ate the same spiritual food. And they all drank of the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. So let's stop right here. So basically what he's saying is, guys, these people were the people of God. They were in the fam. They were with Moses. These were God's people. You need to understand that these were God's people, but God's people are not automatically immune from problems is what he's trying to say here. You can be a child of God. You can have Christ in your life. That doesn't mean everything you do is pleasing to him. He's trying to get this point across. Just because you're a child of God saved by grace doesn't mean God's pleased with all your ways. He's saying that. He's saying, because see, there's some people thinking, well, everything's fine if you're a Christian. I can do whatever I want. No, no big deal. Grace is covering me. Paul's saying, listen, I'm telling you, these people were people of God and they fell into some problems. Next verse. But with most of them, everybody say most of them. Most, most of them, God was not well pleased for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. So before you go any further here, it says their carcasses fell in the wilderness, King James says. So what's God not pleased with here? He's not pleased with his people being destroyed. He is not pleased with his people being perishing. He is not pleased when his people fall. Well, that will show you right there. It's not his will either then. It's not His will that you perish young in life. It's not His will that you die before your time. It's not His will that you fall in the wilderness. If it's displeasing to Him, then it's not His will. Oh, come on church, do you see this? God was not pleased that they fell. That would show you it wasn't His will that they fell. It wasn't His will that the destroyer destroyed them. It wasn't His will. He was not pleased. He's not pleased when His people fall. So next verse. Now these things became our examples. Now he's talking about the church relating to the children of Israel. These are our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now why? Because we don't want the bitter end they had. We don't want to get out from under God's protection. We don't want to get out there where the enemy can take pop shots at us. Why, don't we, why do we need to get a, a revelation from this and a teaching from this? Because we don't want the same end as most of them had which was not the will of God. So next verse. And do not become idolaters. Now don't don't think this has nothing to do with our generation, okay? He says, don't become as idolaters as were some of them, as it is written, now he quotes Exodus, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. He calls this idolatry. Interesting, what idol- idolatry doesn't mean you have a carved statue on your living room, you know, entertainment center that you kneel to and bow to and say strange words. Let me tell you, idolatry is anything in this life that you love more than God money, another person. Career, eating, drinking, entertainment. Okay, here, here's here's one way you can tell if you're slipping into idolatry: something else is controlling your moods. <laughs> you're happy when you got it. You're upset when you don't. Now I know. Before I was a Christian, I used to smoke marijuana, <laughs> pot. Weed, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> pot is crazy, stupidest word. But anyway, um, there, there was a time in my life before Pastor was saved where if I had the pot, I was happy. And if I didn't have it, you didn't want to be around me. Why? Because it was an idol in my life. It was controlling me. I had it, I was happy. I didn't have it, I was I was not happy. I was upset, on edge. What's that? That's called an idol in your life. How many of you think we should just let God be God of our life? And then if we have or don't have all this stuff, we'll still be happy because we got him? But this is interesting. He calls eating and drinking an idol. He calls rising up to play our, our worldly entertainment an idol. many I mean, that can all be an idol to you. And why do we want to know these things? Well, because Paul said, I don't want you unaware of these things. Certain things happen to these people who practice these lifestyles. Certain things can happen to you, the church, even though you're saved by grace. These things can still happen. This is what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, don't think that just because you're saved by grace, none of these bad things can, can happen to you. If you live like they lived under grace, you'll be sorry. That's right. you'll, he's trying to make this clear. Jude had to make this clear, too, because people are getting way off with the grace message. I mean, what, a, what better message for the devil to try to take to extreme? We all love grace. So they say, okay, we can't keep them away from grace, so let's just push them too far in it. Yeah. And that's what he's saying here. Say, saying, guys, listen, you're saved. Just like they were, you know, they were saved in the sense of the Old Testament. They were the people of God. They came out of Egypt, but they still had problems because they weren't taking God's commandments seriously. Right. So I'm mean, think we ought to just get all idols out of our life. And watch out about making another flesh and blood person number one, because if you do that, it'll hurt you. It'll hurt you because then when the first of your life lets you down, you are destroyed. That's why you want to put God first, because he will never let you down. Watch out about putting another person number one. If, 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 If another person is number one, Jesus isn't. It's that simple. Jesus isn't. Best thing you can do for the person that you love in this earth realm is to put God first, so you're always hooked up with the power they'll need, instead of just you you of yourself trying to help them and meet their needs. Next verse. Anybody liking this? <laughs> okay, it gets better. Neither let us commit sexual immorality. King James says, don't commit fornication, as some of them did. Now, why does God want us to stay away from fornication? Because there's a bitter end if it's not turned from. There's problems if you, don't, if you don't stop it. It's like in one day, 23,000 were destroyed because of their sexual immorality. And why is Paul saying, what is he saying? Look at this, guys. These are examples. Is he saying this can happen to a Christian saved by grace? And here's the thing: a lot of times you don't you don't see the you don't see the bitter end while you're involved in the sin. All you see is the temporary pleasure. But there is a bitter end. And Paul's saying, you guys got to get this. You can't just do anything you want because you're a born again Christian. You got to follow the Lord if you want your life to be grand. So sexual immorality. I mean, this is Paul saying. This is church. You need to listen to this. Church, you need to hear this. Well, we're we're Christians. Everything's okay. Everything's not going to be okay if we don't get some of these things down. Now, you know, people go to heaven if they die as a Christian in their sin and then their immaturity. But how about live in victory as long as we can until we get there? Amen. Next verse. Neither let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. Basically, if you go back to Exodus 17, you'll see that they're tempting Christ was saying, Hey, Moses, where's God? Where's the, where's the water? Where's the food? They chided. It said they chided against Moses. God took it personal because that was his leader to them, to help them. And it said they tempted Christ, and it said they were destroyed by the destroyer. Next verse. Okay, so we've got the idol worshipers. <laughs> we've got the fornicators. we got those tempting Christ. And there's one more. <laughs> What's another not good thing to be involved with? Complaining. If you think about it, complaining is actually a declaration that God's not as good as he said he is, and he's really not got that much power and he really doesn't love me, and I'm probably not gonna get out of this when he already said you would. Complaining is like a cut to the love of God. I mean think about it. what is complaining? Well, right here it says it opens up the door to destruction in your life. So if you don't like destruction, you need to not like complaining. And these things aren't immediate. A lot of it is, it's like the enemy knows. If he came in immediately with some of the, some of the adverse reactions to these things, you know, you just stand, stand away. And get, he tries to subtly bring these things and to make them a part of people's lives and their lifestyles. And so we don't want to complain. Now, if you do complain, praise God, you can say, "Lord, forgive me." I would think it'd be a good idea to say, "Lord, forgive me for talking like you're not real and that you're not a good father." <laughs> That'd be a good idea. Keep going. Now, all these things happened to them as a good Bible story that you'll never you don't have to deal with it yourself. It's just a nice historical. No, all these happen, things happened unto them as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So why were these things written? To admonish us, to help us, to avoid some of the things they experienced. Here's a real interesting thing about Israel in the wilderness. Most of them didn't get out of the wilderness. Most of them didn't get out. See, we're talking about there is a way out. And then he starts talking about that, like in the next couple verses, he's saying they didn't get out. But God says, I want you to get out. Even if you're involved in some of these things, you can still get out. But you're going to have to like the R word. (laughs) Repent. So there's two words in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. One of them is repent and one of them is perish. Which one do you want? Cuz you have to pick one or the other. If you repent, you won't perish. People that perish don't repent. Repentance is a lovely word. All these things happen unto them as examples. Next verse, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. What's he saying there? Well, just when you think you got it all together and don't really need to go to church as much, don't need the Lord that much, I'm strong, the wind's blowing fine, it's 70 degrees, got my paycheck, everything's going fine. Watch out! Because you still live in a fallen world. There are still evil spirits that would like to attack you and bring you down. So don't think you don't need the Lord just because everything's going great. Don't think you don't need the Lord just because everything's going great and you haven't been sick in two years. There is no substitute for staying close to God. And there's no safer place than staying close. So all these verses bring us up to our golden text. Next verse. This is what we've been studying for the last four weeks. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able And will with the temptation, not the causing of it, just the allowing of it. Things that we do in our lives open the door to stuff and God filters it. But sometimes it it just, it happens and it says, he will not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will also with the temptation make the way out. Everybody say there is a way out. out. Of every every temptation. I looked up the word temptation, and most of you know this, but I want it to be strong in your heart. It means adversity. I mean, if you really think about adversities and diseases and sicknesses and all these things that try to come against us, they're actually temptations to not believe something the Bible says. Mm -hmm. All these temptations are to get us to not believe something God said. Sickness is trying to get you to believe you're not going to get healed this time or that Jesus really isn't that good of a healer or by his stripes you were healed. I don't really understand that. It doesn't mean what it says. or All these problems that come against, even sin, I mean, like like, what is, what is sin? When a person chooses to sin but they know that God said you shouldn't do that or maybe it's doing something good that you choose not to do, you know what sin is? Sin is doubt that God's way is the best way. So even with sin or sickness or disease, it's all all trying to get us to doubt something the Lord said to us. And there's a way out of every one of these temptations. Well, if if the devil's trying to get us to doubt, it's because he doesn't want us to get out. So what if we refuse to doubt but choose to have faith or choose to believe? You'll get out. You'll get out. So let's just do a little summary here. So what we just read, God is not pleased that his people fall or destroyed or perish. He loves us, but he's not pleased when his kids are on destructive paths because he loves us so much. If God's not pleased with his people being destroyed, then it's not his will that destruction happens. This is such an important thing. If it was not pleasing to God back then that his people were destroyed, it's not pleasing to God now that his people are destroyed. And if it doesn't please him, then he don't want it. But there's a lot of things happening on this earth that are displeasing to the Lord that he doesn't want, which shows us right there, God is not in control of everything that happens on this planet. God is not in control of everything that happens on this planet. I know a lot of people are saying it, a lot of preachers are preaching it, but friend, God is not in control of everything and everyone on this planet. If He is, He sure has things in a mess. Abuse of children, senseless murders, violent crimes. If these are somehow God is in control, We got problems. (laughs) We got problems on our hands. If God and the devil are somehow working together, it's over. We might as well get under the bed and hide. God and the devil are not working together, and God is not in control of everything that happens on this planet. As a matter of fact, um, we'll we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, I want you to... um, Let me say this, okay? I want you to think about this. We know, and we're going to find it from the scriptures, you'll see it with your eyes, we know that the devil is trying to get us to constantly doubt the Bible. For some reason, the most important thing on his agenda is to separate you and me from our faith in God. I think he knows that faith in God overcomes the world. Right. I think he knows that faith in God is how people get to heaven and won't go to hell with him. So he doesn't really care about you and your name and he doesn't care about your nationality and all that. What he doesn't want, he wants you separated from your faith in God because he knows that is the key to going to heaven and not going to hell with him. The Bible says the trying of your faith. Why is the devil so interested in testing you in this area of your faith? Why is he trying to, remember when Peter, Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith fail not. Satan was going to test and tempt Peter to get him separated from his faith. But the Lord said, I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. The devil is trying to get us out of faith. Jesus is believing we're staying in faith. And so this is where the real battle is. So many people don't get out of the adversity because they never get out of the doubt that God's way is the best way. Um. I want to talk to you just a little bit about why some people never get out and this is connected to how to get out so turn to Hebrews chapter 3 Hebrews chapter 3 there is a way out church even if the people around you didn't seem to find the way out there's a way out there's a way out say this "There there is a way out of every adversity there is a way out but you're going to have to slow down Yield, look toward the greater one and instead of just driving everywhere you want to drive. <laughs> right? You know, yield signs are very important. <laughs> right, Joseph? <laughs> yield signs are very, very important. And if we're going to find the way out, we're going to have to slow down and look to the Lord. So in Hebrews chapter 3... This is very interesting. We're going to talk, he talks about some of the same things here that he talked about in 1 Corinthians about the children of Israel, their wanderings in the wilderness, their not so good ending, and why it happened that way. So, Hebrews chapter 3, let's look here at verse 16. Paul says, For who, Israel, having heard, rebelled. Ooh, we could preach a whole sermon right there. The devil does not want us respecting and receiving the word of God. He wants us rebelling. Actually, one of his tricky schemes is to get you offended at your minister so you don't receive the word properly. Mm -hmm. It's real interesting, but if a minister that you don't like is preaching the word of God, you'll probably reject the word because you don't like the minister. Which is really bad. But you all like me, right? I'm I'm a nice guy. I'm a nice guy. Carla, they like me. They like me. If you don't like me, raise your hand. It's okay. Here's the thing you have to watch out you cannot receive from a minister that you're offended at. That's right. So the enemy is trying to get you offended at God-appointed leaders in your life so you don't receive the life-saving instruction that you're going to need three months from now when you're attacked. That's good. That's good. That's good. So you always have to guard yourself. If you start feeling ickiness on the inside of you, you know, towards somebody, pray. Amen. Don't let it take root. Get that thing out. If you have to talk to somebody, talk to somebody. But man, get, the, get it right because you don't want... You don't want that to happen. The enemy's constantly trying to separate us from our divine connections because he knows. He knows nourishment comes from the head to other parts of the body through joints and bands. It has to get through others to get to you. And if those others are not where they should be in your life, you're not getting things from the head. So um, let's read here some more. So did you see that there? It said that, They heard the word, but they rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter into his rest? Now stop right there. He's talking about getting out of one thing, getting into another thing. they, They never got out. They were supposed to have gotten out, but they never got out. Can you be ordained to get out of something by God and still not get out of it? That's what he's saying here. Yeah, they were all called to go into the promised land, take the promised land, possess the land, eat their grapes, live in their houses, right? Go into the promised land and they didn't get out. They didn't get out. And so he's talking about them not entering into the promised land. It says, to whom did he swear that they would not enter he re- into his rest, but to those who did not obey. Now, think about this. They didn't obey and they didn't enter in. The next verse tells us what their disobedience was. What they, they could not enter in because of unbelief. So what's the commandment? Believe. If you want to enter in, believe. Lord. Believe what? Everything from table of contents to maps. <laughs> believe the Bible. Believe because this is how they didn't enter in. It wasn't that God, God had already given it to them. They failed to enter in. That's different than God saying, I don't want you to have this anymore because you didn't do what I said. No, he's saying, listen, this is how you get into the promised land by believing, by obeying. Anybody interested in leaving adversity when it hits? They need to be very interested in faith. Okay. Here, here's the uh, first step to a bitter end. Anybody interested in the first step to a bitter end? Rebelling against what you hear from sermons. People you're called to listen to. They, it all started with, they didn't want to hear it. mm Don't want to hear it. And that led them to a bitter end because it kept them in unbelief, it kept them in doubt, and they did not fare out well. So look at verse 17. I want you to look at verse 17. It talked about this in 1 Corinthians 10. It says, where are we at here? Now with whom was he angry? And Corinthians said this, please. Forty years was it not with those who had sinned? Now, I wanted to just say a couple more things about that because it's not his will that people perish. He's not pleased when people perish. He's actually angry when destruction overrides his people because he loves his people. You'd be angry, too, if something was overriding your children. You'd be angry, too, and you'd be displeased, too, if they were doing something, letting unnecessary pain into their life. You'd be like, guys, come on, man, I told you. And you say it because you love them. If we're going to fix a problem, we have to bring that problem into the light. A lot of the church today has pushed things under the rug and decided to say, "God is in control." God is in control. Wait a minute, the baby just died. What do you mean, God is in control? God is in control. Well, what do you mean the husband left the earth early and now the wife is a widow? What, what, what do you mean God is in control? If people don't explain that, we will have de-evangelism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If people don't explain, if, if preachers don't explain, but see, I don't think, I don't, I don't know if we'd want them to explain because I have a feeling they'd pretty much say, well, God is bigger than us and, you know, he's sovereign and got all kinds of things on his agenda and we don't understand why he said no to that person being healed. How about we quit pushing this stuff under the rug mm-hmm. and just having a generic phrase when we don't know God is in control. That's right. so- I have scripture to show you today. That God is not in control of everything going on on the earth. Right. Therefore, we better know how, learn how to pray. Right. Believe God. Resist the devil. Amen, amen. And he will flee from us. Right. If God is in control, why tell you resist the devil and he will flee from you? Yeah. Why not just kick back and say, Que sera, sera. whatever it will be, will be. The future is not ours to see. Que sera, sera. Mm-hmm. Whatever it will be, will be. No. No, there's a devil that likes that song. <laughs> you know, he, he likes that song. He likes this other song. I did it my way. <laughs> I'm not saying anything bad about the writers. Who, you know, when you don't know, you don't know you're innocent and all that. But you, you have to realize that there, there, is, there is things happening in this earth realm that are absolutely demonic. Right. It has nothing to do with God is in control. It has to do with the devil is in control of a lot that's going on in this planet. And if we want to see results, we're going to have to mess up his control with the authority of the believer. Which personally, in my, my, my belief as a pastor for 30 some years, 35 years, my belief is one of the most important subjects that the entire church needs to hear today is that you have power against evil forces, demons, and disease. And you better use that power because God gave it to you for you to use it. You know, it's interesting that Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth. It It didn't say anywhere in the Bible he has a spare set. So why are we asking God to do something that we have the keys to do? If you have authority and you're a police officer and you need to arrest somebody or stop a 2,000 pound automobile from coming down the road because of traffic reasons, if you are a police officer, You have authority. And for that police officer, he does not have to call up the chief of police to say, would you please come here and help me stop this traffic? Why? Because he's got delegated authority. You and I have delegated authority. We don't have to call the chief of police when we need to arrest somebody. We don't have to call our superiors when we need to stop a car in traffic. We do it ourselves because we have authority. And if you don't use it, it don't work for you. Having power and using power is two different things. Well, I want you to notice here, in 2 Corinthians, well actually look at 1 John 5.19, and if you have the NIV, New International Version, that would be awesome. 1 John 5.19, I wanted to bring this out because God's not pleased with a lot of things that are happening on the earth, and it is not His will that those things are happening. He doesn't have some sovereign reason for a child to be molested. I mean, if you're going to say God is in control, what are what are what are lost people going to think? God is in control. Right. I was molested when I was a little child. Right. And God is in control. I don't think I want to go to church. And I don't think I want to know about this Jesus if God is in control. Right. You you preach God is in control strong enough, you will decrease churches, people will leave Christianity, nobody will want to get saved. Right. 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 Now, is God in control of anything on the earth? Uh-huh. Me? I'm yielded to him. I'll go where he says go. I'll stay where he says stay. I'll do what he says do. I'll stop what he says stop. He's in control of me. I refuse to be under the power of darkness in this world, which is pretty much the enemy's world right now until Jesus comes back. He's called the God of this world. Satan's called the God of this world, small g. Well, look here in 1 John 5, 19. Do you have the NIV? This is what the Bible says. You ready? Ready? We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of who? Who's in control of most of the world? Then why are we saying God's in control when a head-on collision happens? We don't understand, you know, our brother's in heaven, our sister's in heaven, the little ones are in heaven. We don't understand, but God is in control. This scripture says uh, the devil's got some control down here, and to me, head-on collision is not God is in control. Head-on collision is other reasons. And I don't like it when preachers preach funerals and someone passed away, like let's say before they reached their full age, a young person. I've done funerals of teenagers. It's sad. It's not fun. But I've heard at times, you know, things said. I, I will never say that God took them. Because that implies he orchestrated the car crash. I'd rather say the car crash ended their life. But Jesus received them. Jesus received. That's better than saying God took them. Uh, uh, almost leaving the idea that He wanted it for some strange, mysterious reason. Right, like we said. Well, maybe he wanted another angel in heaven. No, we are higher than angels. When we go to heaven, we don't turn into an angel. That would be a demotion. We are right now made in the image and likeness of God. Angels are servants of God. We are children of God. Following me here? And and, and if God wanted another angel in heaven, why not just make one? He's God. (laughs) Why take somebody... <laughs> Alright. So, is God in control of everything that's happening on the earth? Well, if he is, we've got to erase this scripture out of the Bible, tear this page out of the Bible, because this scripture says the evil one is in control of a lot that's going on on the earth. Right? Right? Go back to Hebrews 3. And let's look at verse 18 and 19. And just for a moment before we close, talk about why some don't get out and what will get you out of the adversity. Anybody having fun besides the pastor? So look at verse 18. To whom did God swear that they would not enter into his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see they could not enter in because of unbelief. Now, notice it's not a matter of God's will. Does God want you to enter into those good things? Does he want you out of the wilderness? Does he want you out of the scorching heat? Does he want you into the promised land? That's God's will. But that's not what's that's not the deciding factor that gets you out. It was their faith or their unbelief that kept them out or got them got them out. Right either kept them in or got them out. It was their faith. Well, it we'll was just whatever God's will is. No, it's, it's, it, this is saying it's, the people's got a responsibility. Unbelief is a bad thing. Get in faith if you want to get out. So, in, um, what will get us out? Can somebody tell me? I've already given you the answer. What will get us out of the adversity? What should you be looking for when a problem comes your way? The faith route. I believe I'm getting out. I believe God's faithful. I believe he would not allow this to come my way if he first didn't know I could get out of it. I believe, if it's sickness, I believe by his stripes I was healed. If it's sin, I believe God's way is the best way. If it's financial bondage, I believe he supplies all my needs. You have to pretty quick get your eyes on faith because that's the way out. Notice verse, um, actually look here in chapter four, verse one. Chapter four, verse one, he said, therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear. (laughs) There's an interesting sermon. Let us fear. We talk a lot about fear, not because we're not supposed to be afraid, but there is something we need to have great, high reverential respect for. And that is the Lord and his word. He's saying you need to take these things a lot more serious if you want to get out. Isn't that interesting answer? Let us fear. What is he saying there? He's saying you you better make sure this is not just a surface thing to you. Mm -hmm. These scriptures are holy and powerful and right. To hear them means life and getting out of bondage. To not hear them and respect them properly is to stay in bondage and maybe not make it to the end. Let us fear. Therefore, since a promise remains of, okay, everybody say entering into. Entering. So is, is it a matter of God give me or is it a matter of us entering into? Come on, is, 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 our, is our healing a matter of God heal me or is it us entering into healing? Come, we're waiting for everything to come to us, you know. It's like it's like a twenty one year old on the couch. Say, "Hey, mom, bring me some. some bring, me, bring me something from the fridge. Will you bring me some chips and popcorn, mom?" She goes, "You're born with legs. Get your own popcorn." <laughs> what, what, what if you, what if you had a teenager? You know, nineteen year old teenager at home, always just asking you to do everything for him. Get me something out of the fridge, mom. Hey, can you go get me my shirt, mom? Hey, mom, will you take me. Wait, what you, would you say to them? You want something? Go enter the fridge yourself and get it. (laughs) Come on, this scripture here is talking about entering into the blessings that God already says belongs to you. So what should we do? How about stop waiting for God to bring it to us? Why don't we step into it? Why don't we enter into it? Enter into it. How? By faith. You get there with praise and then eventually you see what you've been believing for. You've got you to start entering into these things by faith. Their problem was they didn't enter in. Not that God didn't give. So it says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word preached That they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Do you ever wonder why a person in a church service like this gets healed from hearing the word and another person gets nothing but offended and leaves with zero? Well, maybe it's more than the preacher being ready for church. Maybe we all need to be ready for church. So when the word is preached, we're mixing faith with it and then it can profit us. I just know my my preacher's not anointed anymore. You sure you're not just mixing faith with what you heard anymore? Because it said here the word preached didn't profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Instead of just saying, how'd the preacher do, how'd the hearer do? Come on, if somebody's preaching the word and you're getting zero from it, it may not be the preacher that's off. You might need to be mixing some faith with this and take some responsibility and say, I believe what I'm hearing. That's why I like to hear amens at times. Not because I'm an insecure preacher. I like to hear amens because it's like people saying, I believe that. I'm mixing faith with that. I'm mixing, amen, amen. 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 Amen? (laughs) So let me read you a couple things before we close here. Because I, I wrote these down and I put them in red, so I really believe it's right off the wire. So, is the preacher not anointed Or are you not mixing faith with the word? Because this verse says the word preached did not profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. We taught a while back on how to get the most out of a church service. I mean, that's a good idea since you're going to church every week. You might as well get the most out of it, right? I mean, there's things you can do to get the most out of a church service. Let me tell you one thing. Paul said in Thessalonians, he said, When you receive the word of God that I preached, you received it not as the word of man, but as in truth, the word of God, which effectually works in you that believe. Didn't work in everybody, but it worked in people that believe. Do you see again why the devil wants you offended at your ministers, your pastors, your leaders? Because he doesn't want you receiving that word as the word of God. Because if you don't receive it as the word of God and believe that it's the word of God, it does nothing for you. Right. So he's real big on offense to cut you off from the word that you need to hear. I know sometimes people say, Well, I, I, there's all kinds of preachers. I'll just leave this church and go to some other church. If you were called to a certain church and you decide to go to another church, you will not get everything the Lord originally had for you you will not get the exact nourishment that your part of the body needs. Amen. That's good. You have to be where the Lord told you to be. Why well, i just going to go listen to this preacher. Now, that one offended me. Yeah, and you might be cutting yourself off from full nourishment from the Lord, and it won't be his fault if you hear the adversity and don't get out. Yeah, Because wherever you're called, that minister, that pastor, those leaders in that church, they are hearing from God specifically for you and your life. So you're going to hear things in that place you will never hear anywhere else. I know this may sound strange and it may sound funny. I listen to Keith Moore a lot. And I think everybody in this church should be watching Faith School Monday through Friday. Thank you. Um, But let me tell you, I gravitate, this may sound strange, I gravitate more toward the things that this church is preaching even than Keith Moore. Isn't that interesting? and I'm totally open and I'm not saying that whether I'm preaching Dominic, Carla, Rachel, whoever Sarah, Candice I'm not I'm not my eyes are not on men there are things that come forth in these church services that I say that the Lord tells me to go back and listen to and study that's right oh Pastor you like listening to yourself I like hearing from the Lord through me There's been times I've been in trouble. I've hit circumstances that weren't good and had problems come into my life. And I said, Lord, what should I do? What should I do? He goes, go listen to your sermon. If it works for the people, it'll work for you. Yes, well, Lord, I need help. Right. And help came forth through you to the people. Right. You need help? Go read your own book. <laughs> it wasn't you that wrote it. The Lord helped you write it. The Lord ministered to you. Um, what's going to get you out of the problem into the promise? It's not all about God giving. It's about us entering into what is already finished. It is finished, right? So this just came to me, and I thought this was really interesting. When it comes to sin coming against your life, whether it's an adversity of sin or tempted to do something wrong or not do something that's right or sickness or disease or fear, this came to me. When a problem comes your way, you're being tempted to doubt. So look for the faith route and you'll always get out. When a problem comes your way, you're being tempted to doubt. So look to the faith route and you'll always get out. You're not getting out of any problems without faith, church. I'm going to tell you right now, you're not getting out of anything without faith in God. Even if you do get out, you better get in faith so you stay out. Right? (laughs) You You can't avoid faith. So let's stand up. Thank you, Lord. Everybody say this. Faith Faith is the way out. The The devil has no defense defense. for for the shield of faith. Now, Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence in our church service. Thank you for your help. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for your holy written word. The angels of God, the armor of God, the blood of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the five-fold ministry gifts. Father, thank you for the local church. Thank you for the weapons of our warfare. You have done so much for us already. And we thank you for giving us good things today. I feel like we should just say this together. Let's, let's start implementing this word right now. Say this. I believe, I believe that God is faithful. That God is faithful. He would never allow an adversity to come my way that he didn't first know, that he didn't first know I, could out of I could escape out of and endure it totally. And endure it totally. There, is a way out. there is a way out. And I look to God. I look to God. And I look to his faith. I look to his word and I'm coming out of every adversity. So, church, this is something the Lord spoke to me recently. He said, "When an adversity comes your way, don't start freaking. Start seeking. Don't start freaking. Because see, a lot. Do you know what panic? Anybody ever experienced panic? Like something just whoa out of the blue? Like what? (laughs) We were watching a, a, a. clean movie a while back and this guy was having a panic attack and the lady counselor, so to speak, was saying, saying, Joe, Joe, you're having a panic attack. And he's like going, "Ah, ah, ah, ah," and just breathing. And he goes, she goes, you're having a panic attack. And she goes, Joe, do you know what that is? He goes, "Ah, I think it's pretty explanatory. (laughs) A panic attack. (laughs) I really, I think panic is actually, at that moment, the manifestation of a demon. And you just need to say, no. Devil's saying, do something quick, do something quick, they're going to die, do something quick, do something quick. No. I'm not going to freak, I'm going to seek. Lord, what do you want me, a couple more seconds, a couple more minutes, what if they die? Well, he'll raise the dead. Right? It's like, don't let the devil freak you out. When a problem comes your way, slow down. We had this happen last week. When a problem comes your way, because my first thought was, whoa, I bind, I loose, no. But my second thought was, there is a way out. Slow down, John. Slow down. Slow down. Lord, what do you want us to do in this situation? You know, bad news is ringing over here. What what do you want us to do in this situation? What do you want? We're not going to freak out. Remember when they threw that boy in front of Jesus? He had an epileptic fit, falling in the fire, falling in the water, foaming at the mouth. They brought him to Jesus to be healed. And all of a sudden, he takes this fit. Jesus didn't go, oh my goodness, Father. And Jesus, oh oh, God, we got, whoa. He just sat there, said to his dad, kids foaming at the mouth. And Jesus said, how long has this been happening? (laughs) See, you got to watch out about being led by The devil and his works. Slow down and be led by the Spirit what to do about the devil's works. (laughs) He said, come out. And he was healed. He may tell you to pray. He may tell you to say. He may tell you to sing. He may tell you to praise. He may tell you to bind. He may tell you to loose. But if you look to him, you'll know what to do. And you'll get out. And things will change. And it won't be because you pushed every button and pulled every lever. It's because you heard from God what to do in that specific situation. The devil wants you panicking. There's a way out of every adversity. There's a way out of every temptation. There's a way out of every problem. So just look to the Lord. Know that he'll direct you. And get ready for promised land. Thank you for listening to today's podcast For more information about this ministry Visit faithheights.org You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram To sow into this ministry Visit faithheights.org And click on the donate tab